members of the public who wish to make a public comment, the phone number to use is 408-41, I'm sorry, this is the wrong phone number. It should be up on the screen. The access code is 2482-095-8103. Then press pound and press pound again. When your item of interest is called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. You may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. Um, item, yes. Sorry, Kate. Uh, I just had a text from Faye. Can you resend her the the sign-in link? Her her sign-in link. Yes. And can you, uh, Kate, repeat the calling number again? Yes. Sorry, I was using the one from last year. Let me open this. So I can okay, the link has been sent. I'll okay, I can start now, right? Sorry, can one you moment. Hear me? Yes, sorry, Linda, I can hear you. Um one moment, my screen is acting up. Okay, let's call to order. Director Richardson. I'm here. Thank you. And Director Sun? She's logging in. And Director Prochnik? Hello. Good afternoon. Okay. Let me uh, thank you so much, Kate. And thank you to uh, Commissioner Prochnik. I know that um, Commissioner Shen is joining us. And have a warm. Thank you to Director Bobbeck, and I know we are guest, Mr. Kevin Griffith is here. And thank you to everyone out um, logging into Treasure Island Development Authority uh, meeting today for the Treasure Island Infrastructure and Transportation Committee. And for those that will be joining on later, I need to just do some housekeeping. Uh, the city and county of San Francisco is still operating and trying to get out of the COVID-19 restrictions. We actually have some of our staff that are helping um, in that endeavor. So the, the city is slowly rolling out. Uh, what that translates to is that the matters, every matter that we deal with is extremely important. However, the city has instructed that with all the commissions, all the departments should and board of supervisors concentrate on essentials and those essentials uh, development of treasure island yabba buena islands are considered essential but there are certain things within those developments that we've been instructed to concentrate on yes we do have a backlog of things that would be coming up and for this particular committee i'm going to follow the protocols which are that i'm going to work with director babek and uh tighter our chair patient wants to look at what we should be putting on the agenda because we do have some milestones uh, issues. So that is the protocol that we're operating under. Things are easing up slowly and surely and um, glad to have all of you uh, here for this committee that we have canceled uh, so many times. Having said that, so Kate, uh, Please go to the next thing on the agenda. Item number two is general public comment. And to confirm the phone number was correct, it's 
418-418-9388 and the access code is 2482-0958103. And this item is to allow members of the public to address the Infrastructure and Transportation Committee on matters that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the committee and that do not appear on today's agenda. In addition to general public comment, public comment will be held during each item on the agenda. And there is no public comment. Okay, so please let's go to the uh, next agenda. Item number three, consent agenda. 3A, approving the minutes of the June 15th, 2021 meeting. Okay, so Commissioner, can I have a motion? Commissioner Pushnik. Commissioner Pushnik. Dr. Pushnik, can you hear us? So moved. Okay. Second. Yeah, I'll take a roll call vote. And for the record, Director Sen has just logged on. Okay. So we. So this is for three A approving the minutes. Director Richardson. Aye. Director Sen? Aye. Director Prochnik? Aye. Thank you. There are three ayes. The ayes have it. Item number four, vertical development update. Thank you, uh, directors. Uh, Bob Beck, uh, Treasure Island Director. Um, just say a few words of introduction. Uh, Kevin Griffith and the TICD team will be giving an overview of the uh, initial development projects being planned for Treasure Island. Uh, of course, we have the Maceo May uh, building under construction currently, and we have the Mercy Catholic Charities building, uh, which we expect will close financing uh, in February of next year and begin construction in March or April. That will be on a concurrent uh, construction schedule with the, the projects that TICD is about to to present um, and it, uh, today's presentation is to give a sense of, of those projects and the, the neighborhood that we'll be developing uh, on the southwest corner of Treasure Island. That I'll turn it over to Kevin Griffith. And I was going to share the presentation for us today. Um, it doesn't look like I have the ability to share. Just moved it over to you. Maybe I do. Okay. I have not used WebEx before, so bear with me. Let's make sure. Take, take, take your time. Did that, uh, can everyone see that Treasure Island, San Francisco? Okay. Yes. See right. it. Great. Thank you, Danielle. Thanks, Bob. And good morning, uh, Tida board members. Uh, happy to be here today. Again, Kevin Griffith from TICD. And I'm just going to speak for a minute and kind of give an overview of the development projects that are uh, the kind of first group of development projects that are coming forward in our first neighborhood. Um, and then I'm going to turn it over and each of the uh, teams working on each of these buildings is going to then uh, present a little bit on, on the individual buildings. So you, Danielle, if you can advance slide. Maybe. Let's see. There we go. <laughs> There you go. So it's actually this is exactly the image that's behind Bob's head right now. This is a rendering uh, of the island showing um, in a little bit more detail some of the original or some of the initial buildings where designs have been progressed. And then you can see in the background uh, kind of figuratively some of the future planned buildings that are not yet designed. And I think the following slide kind of takes those buildings out and shows how the first neighborhood uh, is going to look when it's complete in a few years. 
Okay, let's let's move ahead one more, Danielle. So again, uh, our kind of first district that we call stage one is the highlighted area, southwest corner of the island as you come down the causeway from Yerba Buena Island and <laughs> encompassing the area around the administration building um, and several blocks uh, to the north. Um, let's go forward another one, Danielle. Um, so within this area, there are 10 development parcels. Actually, development teams have been determined for, for nine of the 10. The one that is not uh, currently moving forward yet is the Icon Tower, the tallest building on the island, which we've intentionally kind of held back uh, until things develop a little bit further. Um, and I won't go through all the names here, but you can see the names of the developer uh, of each and the, uh, the uh, lead architect for each of the parcels. And again, we'll go into this in a little more detail um, when the teams introduce themselves and, and introduce their projects. The two uh, kind of blue shaded at the upper left are the two 100% affordable projects that Bob mentioned, Maceo May under construction now, and hopefully by uh, next spring, the Mercy building pending a last funding approval will be under construction as well. So when you put all of these together, uh, we're talking about building a really a, a, at an impressive scale. We've got right now, we're going to talk today about five of these projects going forward that are going to comprise about 770 or so units. Um, of those, about 50 will be uh, inclusionary uh, below market units. Um, over 500 of these first units are going to be rental and the balance will be condo. And so we've got three buildings that are rental and two condominiums. Um, and then if you put that together with the affordable housing buildings at the upper left, you've got a, a neighborhood, you know, kind of scale development, seven buildings, over a thousand units that are going to be uh, in place by 2024. Um, and finally, I'll just uh, point out that um, among the five we're going to talk about today, all, all of these uh, partially, you can see the developer names there. Uh, these are all affiliates of Treasure Island Community Development. So these are essentially, you know, in the, in the terms of the uh, of the DDA. These are kind of developer lots. These are not uh, third party transactions that we're going to see in future phases. So, you know, these are kind of all friends and family of TSC who are taking uh, the lead on moving these buildings forward. So I think um, let's move one more, Danielle, and then are you stuck? There we go. Can you see that? Yes. So the five we'll be talking about today. Right, yeah. So these are the five, the ones noted in red here. There are um, uh, two that are going to follow, you know, probably in the next year or two that um, uh, we can talk about at a future time. But these are the five that are, you know, in for permitting right now, and uh, we're looking to get into the ground uh, early next year. So I think with that, Danielle, if you want to take the yeah. take the lead on talking about the first one, and we can go through and do introductions and a little uh, presentation on each building. Great. Thanks, Kevin. Um, hi, I uh, I met you, um, gosh, last year, I think I presented uh, initially when we were taking these projects through planning. My name is Danielle Butler. I'm a development manager with the Treasure Island Development Group. Um, now I'm specifically focused on a couple of projects that are managed by our team. So we, Treasure Island Development Group manages the projects for the partnership of Wilson, Meany, and Lennar. Uh, we have um, these two buildings that we'll be managing are parcel C3.4 that we're talking about today and parcel C3.5 right next door to it that we'll bring at a future date. Uh, for context on this map, you're probably all familiar with it, but um, Marseille would be over here to the left of, uh, of this building over here on the other side of what would be 6th Street. 
Um, so this was originally designed by uh, Fougeron Architects. That, they were the design architect. And then we brought in Mark Cavaniero Associates as the executive architect. Um, the general contractor is a partnership of Guzman and Suffolk Construction. It's 149 units with seven affordable units. Uh, this is a for sale condo project. Uh, wood frame over a concrete podium and we are anticipating breaking ground in March of next year uh, and have, you know, a, approximately 22, 23 month construction period. So we'd be delivering in February of 24. Um, this is just the, the ground floor plane to show you sort of where our, our uh, entries and exits are. We have our main lobby here on 6th Street and you'll see a rendering of that in just a minute. And then we've got our garage entry here off of 6th Street as well. It's on the corner of 6th and City Side. We have a secondary lobby uh, or secondary entrance to the building here off of City Side. Here's a view from uh, from City Side. The um, the theme with this building is these portals. So these are um, almost like mini roof decks. So this would be a three story volume um, that is open to the residents. This is a two story volume, and this is a two story volume, and they kind of step down in the building. Excuse me, I've got a little cold. Um, <clears throat> this is a view looking back at the corner of City Side and Sixth. This is that main lobby entrance. This is a secondary entrance for the residents. Um, this one also, uh, it's not shown in this rendering, but we'll have some wood elements so that it kind of ties in with the rest of the portals. Um, and then, you know, the idea would be a lot of glazing here. We've got a, a a lounge, a resident lounge here on the corner so that everybody can enjoy the views and then um, some additional amenity space on the interior of the courtyard. Here's um, a blown up view of the lobby. This would be that entrance off of 6th Street and this is where all of our loading zones are, um, you know, the areas for Ubers to wait and all of that would be on this street. Uh, going around the building, this is along the shared public way where we have pedestrian and bike traffic. Um, we have every unit here has its own individual stoop. And uh, this is a three and four story um, uh, uh, side of the building. So the other side was six stories. This one is uh, at its tallest four. This has townhome product over here. And I think that's it for this project. No retail uh, on this one. And um, I think I, I think I touched on all the uh, all the highlights. So would, if there's no questions, I'll I'll pass it over to uh, to our colleagues. So, above, do we just uh, for questions? How do, should we uh, commission a uh, handle that? Do we? I follow them too, so I just want to know how we do the uh, question if anybody have question. Let, let me suggest that we hear their presentation totally first and then come back to questions. Maybe Agreed. That's good. Yeah, yeah. thanks. So please uh, continue, Daniel. Great. <clears throat> okay, Daniel. Great. So, <laughs> so I guess I'm up. Uh, good morning, everyone, commissioners. Uh, my name is Tom Schaaf. I'm with Lennar, and um, we are the developer for C2.2, which is a 178 for rent apartment building. 
And um, we're currently working with uh, Mark Cabanero Associates. The associate architect is uh, Ewan Mona Scott. And our uh, general contractor is uh, Robert Sobayashi. Um, we expect to um, start construction in August of 2022. Um, we've submitted for the site permit about uh, 60 days ago and expect to get that this spring and then continue to move forward. Um, this is uh, similar to um, the building that Danielle's working on, um, wood frame over concrete podium. And um, there's a 1,700 square foot uh, retail space um, on the corner. Um, one more comment just on Lennar. Um, I think as everyone knows, um, we've worked in San Francisco for some time now and, and we've assembled a team of uh, people that are definitely experienced with urban infill. And we're also leaning on um, our uh, multifamily apartment um, affiliate uh, LMC, which is one of our multifamily communities. And so we've assembled a team with a lot of experience in, in urban infill and also military-based conversion in order to um, execute and, and implement this project. Um, so next slide, Danielle. Sorry. Um, so this is a, a general site plan. Um, as you can see, uh, the entry to the um, project is over on Brutton Street, both the main entrance and also the garage entrance. And um, the shared public way um, goes for you know quite a distance actually on this site um, in front of our building. And then there's a mid-block alley on the left-hand side. This would be the, the orangish line that goes back towards the Job Corps and Seven Seas. Um, the cultural park uh, is down to the right of that, um, and the chapel is sort of in the lower right-hand corner, just to orient everyone. Thanks, Daniel. Um, so this is um, looking from uh, essentially the cultural park across Bretton Street. Um, on the left is the shared public way, uh, right in front, uh, right behind the, the person on the bike, so to speak, is the retail space. The entrance to the building would be to the right, and then the garage entrance would be farther to the right where the uh, other person on the bike is. Um, four floors along the um, uh, Brutton and the shared public way, and then the building, as you can see, steps up to six floors um, to the right uh, on the right-hand side. Uh, next slide. Um, this again is the uh, shared public way, but in the other direction, um, you can see the icon tower behind the building that uh, Kevin mentioned earlier on. Um, there are stoops um, along the, um, the shared public way uh, with stairs up to um, those uh, apartments. And then on the left-hand side, you can see the mid-block alley that would um, be between our building and the building that um, has not the the one uh, 2.1 I think Kevin mentioned early on has not doesn't have a developer on it currently, um, but again you get the sense of the the public interaction and bicycles and pedestrians and things like that all along the front here. Next, Daniel, thank you. Uh, this is the view of the building from Seven Cs. So your back right now is to the Job Corps, and now we're looking down the Bin Block Alley in the other direction. 
um, from north to south now um, on the right-hand side. Um, there are also um, uh, patios out in uh, this area of the building and also in the mid-block alley on the right-hand side, there's a secondary entrance. Um, but this gives you the at least a sense of the height um, of the building from seven C's. And um, just a little bit closer up um, with a, uh, the emphasis on the roof plan here, um, we um, have spent a lot of time making sure that the roof amenity um, is something that will be a feature of the building. Um, you can see the courtyard in the middle, um, but the roof amenity, especially from the lower right-hand side of the building, um, where it has the note about the windscreens, you'll be able to see um, uh, sort of uh, from North Beach all the way out to the Golden Gate from the roof uh, at that location, and um, a little bit of YBI and also the Bay Bridge. There's a couple of buildings that are um, in front of us uh, blocking downtown, but the the views um, should be great from that rooftop and, and we're really emphasizing that um, that amenity. So I'll take questions at the end, I guess, with everyone else and um, pass it off at this point. Thanks, Tom. I think uh, Michael will be up now. Hi, everyone. This is Michael McCarthy from Poly Global. Um, I, uh, I'll, you'll be hearing from me a little bit today because I'll be representing two different buildings. Uh, this is the first, which is C2.3, and the other is, is B1. So we'll start with C2.3. Uh, so we're the developer, Paul USA Real Estate Development Corporation. Um, this building was designed in, uh, by Kennerly Architecture, and they're still currently on the project. Um, we are. Um, we just submitted our site permit application, the resubmittal of our site permit application on Friday. So uh, that site permit addendum is in. And uh, we um, we're excited about that. Um, the general contractor is still to be determined. Uh, we have um, Nibby Brothers involved in the pre-construction side of things, uh, helping us with kind of pre-construction. But um, we we have not yet moved forward with the general contractor to build the building as of right now. Um, as far as proposed units, uh, this will be a 76 unit building. Uh, there are four sale units, including four inclusionary units. Uh, different than some of the other buildings, uh, this is actually a type one building, so cold form steel framing over concrete podium rather than wood. And uh, we anticipate construction starting in September of 2022 through June of uh, 2024. Next slide, please. So here's a site plan. Um, the uh, the garage entrance is on the south side with that red, that red triangle, and um, there is a newer um, lobby entrance off of Avenue of the Palms the, at the um, west side of the building, as you can see that, that yellow triangle. So that's a lobby entrance for the building. And this building has uh, two different heights. Um, you have a higher, a higher side, which is six stories on the um, west side and three stories on the, on the east side. Next slide, please. So here's, here's a view of the building from Avenue of the Palms looking southeast. Um, so this is from, this is you see from the San Francisco side, um, the, city, uh, the city side area. And uh, as you can see, there's a two different levels of the building from the east to the west side. Next slide, please. Uh, this, is, this is looking from the southwest from Pitt Street. Uh, again, you can see the shared public way from the back. Um, and there's the, there's, uh, the back side of the building um, looking towards the city. 
Next slide, please. Uh, here's a here's a, uh, a picture from the shared public way looking northwest. Uh, again, this is the backside of the building. Um, there's the stairs that you can see that goes up to a courtyard that's in the middle of the building. Um, so this is a this is a building with a courtyard between the two different sides. And uh, again, along that you, you see the shared public way, and then the garage entrance is where you see those stairs going up is just beyond those stairs. Uh, next slide, please. And uh, here is the picture of the front of the building from um, Avenue of the Palms. Um, again, this is a six-story side, and um, you can see just the different architectural elements, uh, the window pop-outs. Um, pretty interesting building, and uh, yeah, one that we're pretty excited about. So uh, that's C2.3. <laughs> And then I think we've got Lindsay, Lindsay here. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, I'm Lindsay Perlov. I'm with Wilson Meany. Um, and we are developing C2.4. Um, David Baker Architects is the architect um, on the project, and we are working with WebCore for construction. Um, we are a little bit farther along in the process. We actually do have our site permit, and we're really excited about that. Um, and we are looking to, to start construction in March. Um, the project even has a name. Um, our, we're calling C2.4 Title House um, and have some initial branding underway. Uh, the project will be 250 rental apartments. Um, 24 of those are um, inclusionary. And on the ground floor, we will have uh, 1,192 square feet of retail um, that has not yet been programmed. Um, we're calling it a cafe for now, um, but we'll see how that evolves. Um, the construction is all concrete, and um, we hope to be wrapping up construction in February of 2024 and going out um, to the public and leasing it up. Uh, can you go to the next slide, please, Daniel? Thank you. So uh, C2.4 is um, right across the street from Cultural Park. The main residential entry is on Bruton Street across from Cultural Park. And the um, garage entry is on Avenue of the Palms, um, kind of in the middle of the building. Um, next slide, please. Uh, this is a view um, from Avenue of the Palms. You can see clearly labeled the parking, the garage entrance for the building. Um, the uh, side facing Avenue of the Palms in the city is a six story um, portion of the building. The tower is a 22 story tower. Um, and on the ground floor is uh, live work units. We have nine live work units um, in total um, to activate the, the ground floor. Um, next slide, please. Um, we're making our way around Bruton Street uh, to Bruton Street here. The corner is the residential lobby um, on the first floor. It's kind of a double height uh, glass, um, nice view in, view out um, uh, space for the residents of the building. There will be a feature ceiling in there that will also help integrate, um, bring the indoor, outdoor type of um, uh, um, communication and artistic elements. Um, that's fine, Daniel. <laughs> that's, that's fine. We can head on down. Uh, this is the cafe on on um, on Bruton Street, uh, which is right next to the residential entry. It is on shared public way as well. Um, we hope to have a lot of activation here um, as people 
head on out to the ferry boat on their way to work or, or what have you and be able to, to provide a community service um, and, and hopefully a, a restaurant cafe space in this location here. Um, next slide, please. And then uh, this is facing on, this is on shared public way, facing back towards Cultural Park. Um, this side of the building is four stories high. Um, and once again, live work units are lining um, the ground floor level with integrated um, uh, porch areas um, and seating uh, and planting. Um, and I think I think that might be my last slide. Um, Daniel, that could, all right, thank you. And back to Michael. All right, back to me. Uh, so this next project is the B1 project. Uh, it does not yet have a name for it. Uh, I'm a little jealous of Lindsay's project that she has a name so far, but um, where, where this is this is a project that's just behind the administration building. Um, the architect is Natoma Architects. Um, the general contractor is a joint venture between Block and Cahill. Uh, there are 117 for rent uh, units, including six inclusionary. It's a type three building wood frame over concrete podium. Um, we we actually just had our site permit approved earlier this month. Um, it hasn't yet been issued. We still have some permit fees to pay and some other documentation that's needed before it's issued, but uh, it has been approved. So um, we are starting this one earlier than our other project uh, around March, April of, of 2022 through uh, October of 2023. And there is some retail square footage on the ground floor on this building. Uh, it's 4,710 4, square feet of retail um, on this building. Next slide, please. So this one, this site plan isn't quite as pretty as the other ones, but um, it, it tells us what we need to know. So um, on the east side of the building, we have actually two different lobbies. It's it's basically two different buildings connected by um, walkways uh, between the two different sides of the building. You'll see on an elevation view of this project. Uh, so there's a north and a south lobby. Um, you can see that's where the elevators are. And then also the garage entrance is on the east side as well, next to that northernmost uh, lobby. And then you also have retail in a few different places. You see retail one, two, and three. Um, the retail one and two are on either side of the breezeway. So that's a mid-block easement that goes so you can, so the public can go right underneath those walkways. Uh, and uh, then there's a retail along um, the, southern, the southern side of the building as well. Next slide, please. <coughs> So this is a view um, of B1 from the marina. Um, you can see the marina plaza there uh, right behind the administration building. And that's a view kind of the tiered, the tiered um, levels of the building on the south side of the building with retail at the bottom there. Next slide. And here's a here's kind of more of an aerial view just so you can see um, the uh, the main aspect of the building, the visual aspect of the building, which is uh, kind of the western side as you are at the uh, the marina plaza and um, it's kind of a, the building is kind of an arch type building it's it's uh, has a curvature to it so pretty interesting um, architecturally uh, next slide please uh, this is kind of a nice uh, view of that mid-block easement um, that's a pedestrian walkway so you can see the, the walkways that go from each side of the building the north and south building and then it's public access uh, through those, the two sides of the buildings. I mean, it's, it's one building, but it's it's all connected together and, and pub, the public has access on the ground floor to get through. Uh, you can see one of the airplane hangers in the background there. So I'm um, going, going towards the airplane hangers. Uh, next slide, please. 
And here's a picture of, um, of it from the other side of the building. This is really where your lobbies are on the side of the building, as well as your, um, your garage entrance uh, from Avenue C. And um, it's similar to the front side of the building, um, but uh, yeah, this is, this is the back side uh, from the street level. Next slide. Oh, I think that's it. Thanks. So uh, I think that covers the five that have active permits and we are anticipating construction starting in 2022. Um, so uh, I think now would be the time for questions if you and if you want me to revisit any of the slides, I can do that. Okay. Thank you so much that um, for the wonderful presentation. Thanks to Danielle, Tom, Michael, and Lindsay. Uh, you can see uh, Tyler is very excited, and I know that we have a host of questions to ask. Um, I want to just for the sum total of what we are talking about, if you can please write this down and then you can help me to come and reiterate that, uh, Kevin or Danielle. So, <coughs> for the five projects, I think I heard that you're going to be having uh, 770 units total and 500 a rental that I need to and for the seven buildings 100 1k uh, 1000 uh, units of housings and for 2024 either construction or completion the reason I'm asking this is that there's a lot of information that you provide and so for us and for the city of San Francisco for the people we always break down this units, especially for the public, so they can get an idea of what the breakdowns are, which are market rate and which ones are inclusionary units. Uh, that is extremely, I have a generic uh, question. Again, please help to write this down. We understand that CITD does the procurement. However, all of your developers know that Tider is bound by certain provisions. Uh, the city and county of San Francisco, uh, PLA, and also so at some point, Kevin, help us to kind of address that. This is the information that the public also, we know that our projects, and we know, I have to ask this, every step that we take, we are implementing all these provisions, making sure that the residents on the island have opportunities for work, uh, working with uh, one treasure island, we have one of the best uh, workforce development or any development in, in San Francisco. And so I'm going to pause. I have some questions for Polly, and it's exciting. I'm we're familiar with uh, most of the developers uh, that were in you know, a presentation, and I know that we have specific questions for Polly. And at this point, um, I'm going to yield. Uh, if you can answer those questions that I posed, and then I'm going to yield to uh, Commissioner Feishen and then Commissioner Poshnik for their questions. Thank you. <laughs> I just did yeah, some quick math uh, on the counts here. I count 542 rental units among these five buildings, of which uh, 39 are uh, below market inclusionary, uh, and 228 uh, condominium units, of which 11 are below market inclusionary. Okay. For a total of 770 total. Okay, 720 total. And with respect to the provisions for workforce opportunities for, you know, small businesses and all of those, please answer those for me. 
Well, Certainly, yeah, I can um, uh, first, and this is something we probably should have highlighted up front. Um, all of the teams are uh, meeting or exceeding the uh, small business goals uh, in their design teams. And now um, I believe as well as their construction teams for those who have uh, engaged with a with construction contractor. So a uh, few of the buildings actually have 100% uh, <laughs> SBE design team participation through small business architecture firms uh, leading the design effort. That was Thank intentional and, Okay, that, that was important. And, and uh, Mr. Beck can help us to uh, put that in uh, something later on. So at this point, thank you, Kevin. I'm going to yield to Commissioner Peshen for her questions and then Commissioner Parshnik and then we'll go back to the rest of the questions. Thank you again for the wonderful presentation. <laughs> thank you, Linda. Hello. Um, sorry, I'm sort of traveling and my I had to find a corner where I could get Wi-Fi. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Hello? Can you hear yes. me? I can hear yes. you. Yes. yes. Uh, we might be can hear you. Um, now we've lost you. Yeah, I got a notify I saw that she had low bandwidth. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I have low bandwidth. I've, I've been traveling, and so I had to find a corner where we are to, to get a Wi-Fi access. So I apologize. Can, but can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for that presentation. We've been waiting for some time to get an update, and it's great that you've made such great progress. Um, and that you are looking to start construction um, for most of these projects in 2022. Um, I have several questions, but um, first, from an overall standpoint, have you gotten your financing uh, together in order to be able to start for each one of these projects? Um, I I think I can speak for us all. It's possible that 2.4 Lindsay's project is, is a, a, the furthest one ahead, I believe. Um, and I still believe she's lining up financing. I, we have gone out for preliminary interest, but we have not actually secured financing. That would happen a little bit closer to uh, our construction start. But um, but we're close and we, we do have a lot of interest on 3.4. And I think the other projects are in a similar place where they have probably approached the market, but probably have not secured financing just yet, just mm -hmm. because of the timing. That's it. And would you be getting both construction and permanent financing for the projects? Um, for 3.4, and I, I, I believe it's a similar structure, we're getting construction financing. For the uh -huh. rental projects would have the condominium. The condominium would be for sale. I, I understand. Okay. Um, uh, so until you get that financing, you're not yet sure. Excuse me. Um, whether whether those dates that you have for the start of construction is fine or not. And, and has COVID and during this um, period of time, has it been difficult to get the financing for projects such as these? Um, for 3.4, uh, surprisingly has not, I think there might be a little pent up uh, demand. We have some, we definitely have some interest on the condo project for financing. You're absolutely right. Uh, insurance and financing both need to be lined up before we can 
um, start construction. So, you know, there's our, our design timeline, there's our city processing timeline, and then there's, you know, these other insurance and financing that all need to be lined up. So we think, you know, for our project 3.4, that, that March is a realistic date to get all of that done. And I, I think the other teams are in a similar place. Um, and, and I'm sorry, um, you know, these sites so well. Um, <laughs> site 3.4 is the one, um, again, which is closest to, if you could show us again, that 3.4. Yeah, and I'm just yeah, Danielle, sure there's a better way to the do one furthest north, closest to yeah, for The furthest north, it's closest to Mercy. Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and, um, and then uh, could you could you tell us about the affiliate Poly Global because that is a name and an entity that we are not so familiar with and how are they an affiliate? Are they um, part of an LLC partnership with you um, and the non Wilson Media PICD? How, how is that structured? I seem to get a lot of questions about this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. uh, yeah I mean, so Poly Global, we're so um, Poly Developments and Holdings is a is a developer um, on the on the Shanghai Stock Exchange, and uh, we're, we're our parent company is based out of China. Um, and uh, across the world, we have about two hundred billion dollars in assets, and we are in a hundred cities across China, Australia, United States, and United Kingdom. So it's kind of our parent company, Poly US and Poly Developments. Um, we've only been in the US for about three years. Uh, we have a project that finished up last year in Los Angeles. And um, we, these are our first two buildings within, um, within San Francisco. Um, we are a joint venture partner with, um, with the other developers in the horizontal side of um, in the horizontal redevelopment. Uh, but as far as the uh, vertical development of these buildings, we, we're not partnered with anyone. Uh, these are our buildings. And uh, um, yeah, again, so we're part of a, the larger parent company, uh, Polyglow is based out of Australia, and then our overall parent company is based out of, out of China. I see. And and are you the um, general partner, the the managing general partner for the partnership that will develop this project, or is that in in conjunction with CICD? <laughs> so no, the the vertical pro the vertical projects were, yeah, we're the we're the sole owner of this project. Um, I don't have a partner. Um, and are you affected by any of the, um, the the turbulence which is in the Chinese real estate market now? If you're based in China. No, I mean we've we've uh, we haven't had any effects of that um, as of yet. I know there's there's been a lot of interest in what's going on in China with some other companies, but Poly so far has been um, we haven't really been affected by it um, at this point. So um, yeah, so that, that that's not something that we're concerned about. We're watching it, but we're we're not. It doesn't concern us much. Uh huh. And would you um, self finance the construction and the permanent financing, or is that something? Yeah, you we're self financing uh, at least the first fifty percent of spending. Um, we're we're uh, considering the you know, construction loans for uh, the latter part of financing, but we're also considering just financing it one hundred percent of both projects ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So that's still. That's still up in the air, but um, as far as having financing secured to start these projects, when we plan to start them, uh, we definitely have financing secured because it comes uh, from internal sources. Mm -hmm. um, well, um, yes. Uh, so I think this is the first time that perhaps we've met, um, at least publicly. 
And I started uh, my video so we can actually talk face to face. Hi. Yes. Well, <laughs> looking looking forward to um, uh, knowing more about your company. Yeah, and, I look forward um, to it too. Thank you. Yeah. And you, but your projects are a little bit. Are they also projected to start in 2022? They are. Yes, both of them. Um, one is the end of Q1, the beginning of Q2, and the other one's in Q3 of next year. So both next year. Um, so I think that just some, some general comments from at least the public side, you know, what we're interested in is really what is the experience from the street? What is the experience of the public of these buildings from the exterior? And particularly, you know, what is the, how does it feel to walk, you know, along the streets between these buildings? Um, and, and what you do inside that's, that's uh, primarily your business and, and the, the experts on how to design and market, you know, these types of developments, but public side and what happens, um, you know, on the sidewalks and on the streetscape, um, that is something that we're um, somewhat concerned about. Um, so what is unclear to me because there's there are different projects is what is, um, is there some landscaping element which um, these buildings because you have five things that you're um, but you know, for us to see whether the and the escape that's connect uh, between all these different sites. You can also post on the chat. Yeah, hey, I think we're, you, uh, we're you losing you a little bit. I think you're asking about the landscaping, maybe around the buildings, um, but it was, I think we missed some of that. Yes, I, I, I'm sorry um, for the poor connection that I have. Um, but the, the question has to do with the streetscape and mm -hmm. the exterior of the buildings, but particularly the experience of the pedestrian um, walking in this neighborhood. Because what you're creating is, in fact, you know, there's five different buildings or, or more um, when you take all these sites. And you are creating um, a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so what connects that neighborhood is what I'm concerned about. And whether the streetscape um, is, um, there's some common elements that connects all these, or is it different um, in front of each building? So that's that's one question. Each building has its own individual landscape architect, but they are very closely coordinated with CMG, who's the master landscape architect. So um, for instance, along the shared public way, I believe all of the projects are encroaching as much as they are able to. That's actually um, uh, suggested in the D4D that we can do that. Um, there's some limitations based on, you know, what's happening in that shared public way with utilities and that kind of thing. But we're all um, encroaching as much as we can so that there is this interface with our building and the public realm along that pedestrian and bike pathway. Uh, which is the shared public way, and that's been coordinated with CMG. So all of the buildings have some seating elements that um, 
that are connected that our building will, will build that our project uh, the individual projects will build but they are open to the public so there there was a lot of um work and coordination that happened with uh, our landscape architects and with cmg to make sure that that um that that interface with the public that the public realm along the the ground level um, uh, you know, did work and does make sense and is consistent throughout. I mean, every building will have sort of its own look and feel, but, um, you know, it, again, along the shared public way, they will have their own sort of seating elements. So everything will be a little unique, but it, it plays with what they're doing in the shared public way. Um, and the mid block easements, um, will be similar. They'll be worked through with, with both buildings to make sure that these mid block easements are a, uh, uh, a pleasant experience for people to walk down. Um, you know, it's something that the planning department has been very concerned with as well. Uh, what each, what the ground level looks and feels like for each of these buildings. So it is something that we we've, we've definitely kept in mind throughout the design. Mm -hmm. um, and and I I think that perhaps we um, just need to see more um, of what that might look like and. Um, and explore that a little bit because um, just the separate presentations of each of the buildings, it's hard to mm -hmm. get an understanding of what that streetscape um, would would be like. And and it's it's continuous, but we're seeing each separate um, lot. And so I think that needs a little bit of study from our end. And I think it might help too once we have our renderings done. We unfortunately our renderings of the shared public way, especially, are dated, and so we didn't feel like that was appropriate to share at this point. But it does. We still have a similar kind of feel. So once we have our renderings, I think that will be really helpful for you to kind of understand how it feels. I, I think that's really helpful. I'm a visual person, so renderings right. help a lot. Right. And um, and um, I, I, I thank you for paying attention to the shared public way. I know that's been. Um, a new concept uh, for the for the city, um, but it is one that we're very interested in seeing how that works with the shared public way is shared between the pedestrians and the bicyclists and, mm -hmm. and maybe the car. Okay. I will um, tell you that, that C2.3 and C2.4 are using the same landscape architect um, to help with that cohesion. Um, and that's okay. okay. So that's um, what hopefully we have, we share a muse and hopefully there'll be some coordination, but with some distinct elements. So if that's yeah. some added color that might help you understand um, <laughs> that, that we, we too are thinking about um, the integration of the landscape um, in that way. Um, Good, yeah. yeah. Um, and, 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 to add, and to add on to that as well. So B, the B1 building, we're using the same landscape architect as the Marina Plaza as well. So the, the, the mm -hmm. landscape architecture should kind of flow from the Marina Plaza into the B1 building instead of two different, very different philosophies of architecture, um, the same architect is kind of blending those two uh, together. Mm -hmm. um, so we would like to see more of that um, so that we understand what that, um, what that treatment is. And I know that B1 actually, uh, I think that um, on the Marina side, you know, that's fairly successful because you've got some retail, it, it, it connects, you know, to the Marina, which will be a great <laughs> promenade. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you're taking some advantage of that. But and and I'm glad that C2, C2.2 and C2.4, you're sharing the same landscape architect because I think that the, you know, both sides of that 
shared um, um, walkway, there needs to be some coherence um, between that. So we, we need to study that a little bit. Um, on the side of along the avenue, the palms though, um, I am, um, again, uh, what that treatment is like along Avenue of Palms is um, important as well. And it seems like um, several of the buildings are on podiums. And so there's not actually um, a ground level use, um, at least from the renderings. Could you explain that a little bit more? Um, C3.4. Um, yeah, we, we. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Danielle will bring up the images. I think that's that um, is not the case, and hopefully the images will, will put that into focus here. There are yeah. you know, ground um, presence, uh, I think, on, on all sides, especially that most sensitive side along mm -hmm. the city side uh, frontage. That's right. Um, there are units all along city side. Uh, they and they actually enter from. Uh, they they don't have entries that come off of Avenue of the Palms. Um, but we, um, you know, we'll have, so the, as part of the, uh, the infrastructure work, as part of the horizontal plans, they actually have, um, landscaping already planned. They go from property line to back of walk. We are going to be integrating our <clears throat> landscaping with what they already have planned. Um, so we're, we're actually working through some of that detail right now, but oh, there will be landscaping to try to help with some of the privacy of these units along that ground level. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are not entries from here. We felt like that would, um, I, I think some of the other projects may have entries off of Avenue of the Palms. Ours, you, you enter from the other side of the building, mm -hmm. from the courtyard. And this is 3.4, but... Um, this one is 3.4, and I can go down to and another... Then, like C... Sorry, I don't have the overall map. Yeah, yeah. I know it can get a little confusing. Um, if you're looking at Avenue of the Palms, another one would be 2.3. So mm -hmm. that's this one. Yes. And, and, that, and that one you have residential on the ground floor as well? That's correct, yeah. So you, you have entrances to the building and then you also have residences on the ground floor. So um, definitely usable area along the, the street fronts uh, on all sides. Um, yeah, on, on really all sides of the building, um, pedestrian entrances, you can see uh, just uh, all around. And then the the, um, the two sides you can see here, you have you have residences all along those uh, those streets. I see. You okay. may have another view too. There we go. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's the uh, the Avenue um, of the Palms facing side of the building. I would say, you know, interesting. Uh, feature, uh, which is also a, a real design challenge, is that none of our buildings really have a backside. There's a sensitive frontage on all four sides, and that's you know, a unique challenge yeah. for the design. Places for yeah. garages and garbage and all that stuff that needs yeah. to happen in a building while still having a nice presence right. uh, for the right. public all the way around. No, understood. Um, avenue of the Palms is going to be our main avenue, right? Um, it's mostly, it, it is um, carries, uh, carries car traffic, um, but it also has bike lanes and um, it's going to be the front of the island um, that faces the water. So it's, it's fairly important mm -hmm. um, how, what that treatment looks like. Um, 
So I, I think that um, for now, those are my questions. Um, again, you know, my interest is really what the pedestrian and um, experiences as you walk along these streets, um, how are they connected, the different um, lots that you have, you know, how, how are they connected in some way through landscaping so that it creates a cohesive whole? Um, how do you make a neighborhood um, by those elements? So thank you so much, uh, Commissioner Peixen, for all the detailed questions and the public can appreciate um, where this is the first time we're having the opportunity to look at these buildings. Usually uh, we will entertain them individually. And so we have all these questions for Kevin and for Bob Beck. I think to summarize uh, Commissioner Shen's questions, I know there was a reference to the D4D and we have guidelines that we put together to bound all these buildings. And I know that Kevin, you mentioned, or Danielle, that the developers are coordinating with the CMG. I think what will happen, what we would like to see, actually, what, what, what kind of coordination and to be able to look uh, to use the D4D guidelines that we have in order to, really, to assess but uh, this wonderful project that you've um, you know, presented today, that's gonna be extremely uh, important for us because there are certain elements in those D4D guidelines that um, I, we, I, I haven't seen and to really uh, revisit to make sure that um, we are due following those guidelines. Mm -hmm. One thing I did not see for the streetscapes, and again, Kevin, it has to do the way that the streets were designed you know, with those wind factor. I know that I haven't seen the rendering and um, again, it's part of the D4D. I would, we would like for that to see how uh, all these buildings, their relationship are mimicked in those streets, uh, you know, design guidelines that, um, you know, you had mentioned, you know, before. And with regards to Polly, Michael, I think we asked those questions <coughs> and we will ask all developers in your, actually stating that a poly global is not gonna be impacted by the Evergrande, uh, you know, real estate issues uh, in China. And again, it's not even unique to China since, you know, we know that real estate is global. And, you know, so the reason we're asking that is that we have certain disclosures and that's why we are holding these public meetings so that all the developers understand uh, the conditions and the of disclosures because of the special financing that uh, the city of San Francisco, the bond measure that are going to guide uh, developments on, on those particular affecting those parcels. So uh, let's reiterate that and that what you just said and that you do have a plan B in place. And if you do, uh, okay, if you're certain that uh, Poly Global will not be affected, that is exactly and if you're not 100% sure, it would also be great to see what the backend, you know, mitigation measures are so that we can fully disclose. <laughs> so having said that, now, Commissioner Pashnik, uh, your questions, please. Thank you so much, Commissioner, and thank you all very much for your presentation today. It was great to get an update, and I'm really excited to um, learn more. I have some questions that will build upon um, my two colleagues' questions. So in addition to the public space and all the um, coordination of the landscape architecture, 
Um, and I really look forward to, to hearing more data about the water usage and native plants and kind of really seeing that we're really um, in, in sync with some of the other landscape architecture that's going on. So is there coordination among the sustainability components with water and soil we have? Um, yeah, so we, um, we have the uh, lead ND designation. And so with that comes some requirements that we have to meet um, related to our, our plants. And there's also some PV requirements, all of that. So naturally we have some things built into the projects that, um, that we've kind of inherited from the lead designation. And then um, I think there's some stuff related to the habitat management plan. That would be more for YBI than for Great. TI. Okay. Um, it is something that, you know, I think every landscape architect that works in San Francisco is, um, or in California really, but um, you know, San Francisco, they, this is something they're very up to date on. Um, can, and you speak, can you speak really, louder, Danielle? I think yeah, I'm sorry, am I? Um, can, hmm. can everybody hear Danielle? <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, we can. Um, yeah so I, it is something that our, our landscape architects are very aware of. We talk about it a lot, making sure that we find plants that are, um, you know, that can survive. It's it's uh, the soil, it's, you know, it's drought conditions, and then it's also wind conditions uh, for anything that's, uh, you know, facing, facing the wind, which is really most of our plants, even for 3.4, we have those portals we have to be really careful of. So we're, we're definitely doing a, um, a deep dive into our plants right now. And Danielle, on this, um, building upon that, are, is each building recertified at a different level? Or are they all platinum? What's the certification? Uh, I think they're all different. They're not required to be, um, uh, lead designated necessarily. We are going for on 3.4 lead silver, I think is what we've decided. Um, and that's really just, um, you know, it, we'll, we could even exceed that, but because of our commissioning, we've just, you know, we're going lead silver. Uh, green rating is another one that uh, I think some of the buildings are going for. And I can let, yeah, I don't know if all the buildings have decided, but I can let, let each of the project managers talk about their own, but uh, we've just made the determination to go lead silver for 3.4. Okay, and I, I love to see the determinations for each of the buildings and hope that we'd push it up a little higher considering all the climate goals and requirements the city is going to place on all the buildings to be, I think, gold or above. And I think most of them are trying to be platinum. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I saw on one of the decks, there was the viewing area, and then I was really excited about seeing the solar areas, but I didn't see that on the other roof. So I was wondering what, what the allocation of um, kilowatt hours is for each building for solar. I don't know that off the top of my head for 3.4. I do know that we have 15% uh, of our roof area is designated to um, uh, solar, so PV or solar thermal. Um, and we, we've we worked that. Ours is a little tricky with these finger units and we've got a roof deck over here on the fourth level. So um, I believe, and we're still working through this plan, but all of our solar will be on uh, this portion of the building, I believe for 3.4 so and it's a it's about 15 it's a little over 15 percent um uh, I, would love, I would love to see the numbers for each of the buildings for both the lead certification goals and then the solar and, and any other attributes that you're getting credit for for the lead certification yeah and it's you know we've got um title 24 we've got the better yeah. roof ordinance um you know and then the lead yeah. designation so there's a lot of requirements layered on it's actually been and we've been working very closely we have multiple sustainability consultants on <laughs> 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 um so it, it you know it's complicated actually now um 
but uh, I don't know, uh, Michael, Lindsay, Tom, do you do you know offhand what your uh, what your buildings are going for, and do you have any specifics on them? Yeah, yeah this is Tom. Um, I think the solar panels that you uh, saw was actually on two point two, and at this point in time, those areas are being reserved to try and allow the maximum amount of space. Yes, so this one um, down along the lower part of this building on the shared public way. There's also some additional um, solar thermal for the boiler on the roof um, up above the, well, it's actually shown solar platform above um, in the upper left. So we don't have the exact percentages yet, but we are um, running in the direction of trying to maximize it for a whole bunch of reasons, including the ones that you state. I'm really looking forward to, to more information there too. Um, um, I'm, and I have a couple other questions. So, I'll just real quick, Julia. So, so I don't know the, the the exact numbers, but both C two point three and B one also have solar panels on the roofs. Uh, right. Both those buildings. So, um, okay. okay. And then um, I also noticed that some areas have living roofs and others don't. Is this something that you're also working on in coordination with the requirements? Um, for 3.4, we've been doing a little, we've been doing some analysis of trying to find the right mix of um, solar thermal PV and green roofs. Um, we have uh, roof decks, but I think we're not, the, the green roofs just given, um, just given our roof area and how they're kind of all separated has turned out to be pretty cost prohibitive is what where we're landing for 3.4. Uh, it is still on the table. It's just turned, it, it, we're finding that it's, um, it's, right now and maybe it's just kind of where we are in the market but i it's very very expensive unfortunately um i do think i i saw it on b1 um so michael maybe it, it, this looks like some some green roofs or i don't know if that's a roof yeah. deck up there yeah there is um yeah i mean we we have grand aspirations for for the green yeah. roofs um but i think we're probably all in the same situation as danielle am i still on yeah yes oh, yeah yeah i can hear you yeah, i got it okay um, yeah, there's a good article in the New York Times today about costs coming down and some new um, technologies. Um, so mm. I, maybe check that out. It's it's yeah. impressive. Um, and then what about when we're talking about the public areas and, and it's great to see the layouts and the consideration for um, movability and a lot of walk, walking and bikes. What about play areas? Um, go back. Sorry, I'm going the wrong way. <clears throat> Um, so one of the things that's naturally built into this plan is these, uh, let me get back to the map, be a little easier to see it. Okay, so um, first of all, Cityside Park, when, when stage one is delivered, Cityside Park will be complete, Cultural Park will be complete, and the plaza here. So we have, oh, and then um, uh, the Marina Plaza, and I may be, not be getting all these names right. So we'll have basically everything from sort of the beach park down to the end of Cityside Park in some state of completeness so that it feels finished. Uh, it may not be the very final form of the park, but um, so, you know, these are more of the public realms that will be complete, but there are also these, these pocket parks that are built into the plans. Um, this project, we anticipate starting construction probably beginning of 23, and we'll come back to you with this one. So this one's a little bit further out, um, just just kicking off design now. Uh, but so this this pocket park will be built uh, as part of this project, and that's kind of 
to kind of tie all these uh, you know parks together and to give a little bit more green space open to the public and then the shared public way is an area for you know again bikes and pedestrians but in terms of actual like play equipment um i don't think that's anticipated unless it's in the city side park and kevin maybe you know more about that yeah, I, and I don't believe there's a play equipment program for that park. Um, the other thing that, that each of the buildings has, and we didn't really focus on this, each one has an interior court, I guess with the exception of B1, has an interior courtyard that can have more, you know, supervisable space, right? If there are small kids in the building, parents can uh, can visit the, the interior courtyard. And they, they but there's no play equipment, and there's um, no dog play areas either. Mm, there is... A dog park, but it's up on uh, Yerba Buena Island, and there is a dog park. that's open to the public. Right. So, yeah. so I mean, there are probably going to be a lot of pet owners who are going to want to use facilities, and also parents with and caregivers with kids who are going to want access. Green area is wonderful, but some type of um, something we should all think about as a board too, just to make sure we're meeting the diverse needs of the community. So that's really helpful. And then, um, thank you for highlighting all these different pieces. It's really exciting to see the growth, and I'm, I'm really excited about this moving forward. Last um, question for the board too, just we had mentioned about changing names of some of the streets. And so I just, hearing all of you um, mention some of the street names, I just reminded me, where are we in the process of renaming streets and how is that connected to all these different pieces? And like the building names too. Yeah, the, the street oh, names okay. are set and I think maybe Bob was starting to, to chime in yeah. on, on that. So, um, yeah, the, the street names have all been adopted by the, uh, through the Board of Supervisors process. So so that uh, work has, has all uh, been completed. Uh, you may have heard sometimes this on, on the original, I'm sorry, the, the, the easternmost roadway in stage one area um, was uh, um, called Avenue C in the planning documents and is now uh, seven, Avenue of, seven C's Avenue. Um, and then uh, the um, road along the, the west side is Avenue of the Palms. And then the um, east-west streets that, that may have been referred to as 4th, 5th, and 6th streets are, uh, are all uh, named after um, uh, artists and architects from the, the, uh, from, the, from the Golden Gate International Exposition. So I think 5th is Cravath. Um, uh, I believe sixth may be Johnson, but uh, we, Johnson, we, it's Brutton, Kerpoth, and um, Johnson. Yeah. So. Okay. I just remember. Okay. Yeah, well, we can, we can talk more about that offline. So thanks, Bob. Mm -hmm. Thank you all. Um, as far as the names of buildings, I think you also asked a question there. So we're, we're approaching um, the naming of both B1 and C2.3. We have a branding consultant who's recommended names and so we're just kind of going through the process of approving this internally um and then we should have names for our building so there, and we're all the, looking forward to not using c3.4 yeah, yeah. we're just we're just gonna keep c3.4 i think that's what we're, <laughs> we're gonna go i just to, for for food for thought on previous board calls we've had a lot of um community members and neighbors speak up about you know represent names that could benefit previous um neighbors who've done a lot or even previous tribes that lived on the island that there's um, a lot of different voices that have expressed concern about some more creative and more um, equitable names. So 
and we could even share the previous notes for the names even offered um, for your groups to look at. I think that would be really helpful. Um, uh, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> with our partners anyway. We're the partnerships, so we have a lot of voices in the in the um, uh, decision making. But, right, um, right. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to. Thank you. And maybe Kate, you can help me pull up that agenda minutes where we talked about that. But thank you. Okay. So, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <coughs> can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Can you all hear me? Yes, Linda, we can hear you. Okay. So, thank you. Uh, as you can see, again, uh, the great and wonderful presentation today. Lots of information that um, we are going to go back and uh, again, that all these projects are moving forward. And I think that's what the public um, want us to convey. And as we have said over and over, uh, Treasure Island, Yoba Buena Island developments offer San Francisco uh, the most in affordable housing. And we just wanna make sure that financing are in place. And then, uh, you know, we have the best developers and architects, uh, there's no question about that. So uh, the questions that um, Commissioner Peshen and uh, Parshnik myself, I think there are some questions that we will ask for you to uh, direct up to kind of help us to expand and uh, you know answer some of the questions. They are not showstoppers. And again, it's to show us how we are going about uh, coordinating with the D4D guidelines and all of those. And again, a full presentation on the work for development. So uh, this has been a wonderful, uh, you know, uh, you know, meetings. And so we would like to, when the rangings are ready at some point, Mr. Bob Beck has the calendar and he's gonna inform us, you know, what, you know, when to open all the others information, so. I just wanted to say it's commission. Uh, thank you for the uh, presentation. And then at this point, uh, Kate, uh, we can entertain uh, public uh, comments. Yes, and seeing no public comment. Um, Commissioner Richardson, can I ask? There are no public comments. And this is Julia. Can I ask one more clarifying oh, okay. question? Sorry, I just want to know what was the percentage of retail in the four buildings? Um, uh, I'm, I'm mute, it, Julia. As far as C2.2 is concerned, um, it's approximately 1,700 square feet. I'm not sure um, what percentage that is. I think it's about 7,500 square feet total among the, the three buildings that have a retail space. <clears throat> Thank you. And could one of those be a, um, a market or supermarket? Um, you know, it could be, I think we're still working on the programming. We do understand the need for a market. So there's a couple of other locations uh, on the island that we might consider that we're looking, uh, we're trying to figure kind of all of that initial amenity programming out uh, now, actually. I mean, we have a great market now, but I just know with more people, we're going to need more. Yeah. Yeah. We agree. Yeah, I think that the re we've mentioned this in past um, presentations is, you know, the retail and what happens, uh, you know, are there cafes that are servicing the residents here? You know, the use of that 
ground floor space. Um, 7,500 isn't very much, but I also understand that the nature of retail is changing. So this is not something which I've been really pushing for. Um, as long as the overall plan, which includes other buildings like building one, yeah. um, has those facilities and has those um, community needs integrated into them. Yep, that's right. But, yeah. We, yeah, we have a few other buildings that we would potentially, and you know, in the in future, in future phases, there is a kind of retail corridor that we would anticipate. Um, but you're right, the nature of retail has changed a little bit, so we're we're watching that closely and trying to figure out the right mix. Right. But um, but the sort of community facilities um, plan, the retail plan, we we would like um, to hear what your thinking is on that at a future date. So, mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Great. Um, okay. Your presentations. Yeah. Thank. You. We're getting, yeah. It, I don't want it to, uh, uh, Danielle. I think we're getting some problems with, uh, you know, Webex. So, I at this point, uh, we need to. We need, there are no public comments, so we need to get to the next item. Item number five: discussion of future agenda items by directors. Okay. And Linda, it might help so, if you anyway, turn off your video. Yeah. It says you have low bandwidth. Okay. Any further uh, meetings, agenda, as I mentioned before, uh, the city and county of San Francisco is operating on the COVID. So I'm going to check with Robert Beck and Commissioner Fish, and, and then we will look at the log and uh, what decide what needs to be on the agenda or this standard, I think it's important. However, there are essentials that we are doing. And so subsequent uh, ITC uh, committee will have some of the background, the information we need to have. Uh, thank you everybody being here today. Um, uh, directors, uh, I, I thought I might also take advantage of this moment on the agenda to, to uh, highlight that with the passage of the infrastructure bond or infrastructure measure in, in DC um, uh, and it's signing yesterday that the CTA has received notice that uh, a grant that they had applied for uh, to help close the funding gap on the west side bridges will be awarded in the amount of $18 million. So uh, that should help close the funding gap on that project and allow that project to move forward into construction, uh, hopefully early next year. So um, as as that scope gets finalized, uh, we'll be bringing back an update uh, to this committee on that as well. Fantastic. That's, that's excellent news. Thank you, Bob, for that. Thank you very much, Bob. Okay, uh, Kate. Item six is to adjourn. That's Okay, thank you everybody and thank you to the developers and Kevin and Danielle and Tom and Lindsay and uh, to Commissioner Shannon Poshnik and Kate and uh, Director Bob Beck. So this meeting is adjourned. Great, thanks thank everybody. you. Thank you all. Bye. Thank okay. you.